This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! need that you might have. Uh, Shoot GTR is one of our great sponsors as well. We'll go through those with you in a little bit. And of course, thanks to all our donors. Well, hotel locker room here, by golly. There's a lot to talk about with this March Madness going on and uh, both women and men March Madness. It's a really exciting month for basketball. We've got one more week left in the month of March. And um, first thing I want to alert you to is if uh, you're watching the Lady Gator basketball team, it is playing Bowling Green tonight. And uh, Bowling Green's a pretty good team. They've got a 14-4 and record. Uh, that game takes place at 6 o'clock. And um, it it's, um, promises to be um, a big moment for University of Florida because if they can win that, they really have, I think they've gotten men into the 20-game season, and um, there's a little bit of history to Bowling Green and Memphis uh, they played, and there was evidently another little bit of a scuffle uh, in the shaking line obligatory uh, at the end of the game. One of the Memphis uh, gals evidently slugged one of the uh, Bowling Green gals and all that business, and we had a Florida Gator throw the ball at another player, so um, these these people get hotly into it. Um, they should discipline themselves a little better, of course. But the point is, this is a a thriving activity, Lady Gators, and part of it. But this women's basketball is really catching on. It's um, quite something uh, to think about when you start seeing coliseums filled up to watch this very exciting. Women's basketball. When I was a kid, women's basketball, my golly, there was an offensive group that played on one side of the half-court line and a defensive group that played on the other side of the half-court line. And never the twain shall meet. They couldn't cross. There was a exhausting to women, I think, was the philosophy. To have women run up and down the basketball court the way men were. Well, that's a totally different deal now, and and um, it is it is every bit as exciting. We've even got women, honest to God, women, not transvestite women or trans women or whatever you call them, who can dunk, and um, that's intimidating by golly. So, um, but the be- the best I've seen recently, I watched last night, Caitlin Clark from Iowa. Caitlin Clark reminded me of um, Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich was the smoothest basketball player I ever saw in person. I mean, he was just amazing. Pull up some of the films of him. I saw him play in the old Florida gym against Florida. Uh, One of my friends tried to guard him. who was on the team for Florida then. Couldn't do it. Nobody really could. So this Caitlin Clark has the fluidity, coordination, the shooting accuracy. And uh, all you have to do was watch her in the game yesterday pile up 41 points, hand out 12 assists, and get 10 rebounds. I started watching her and realized 
This is a basketball player. This is just not a big female who can dribble and um, push people around on the low post, perhaps. This is an honest-to-God basketball player, male or female. This is what a basketball player looks like and can do. And if you haven't seen her, Caitlin Clark is the one to watch from Iowa. Um, she is absolutely incredible. Um, she, um, um, they've, they've got, to, she's a superstar of women's basketball right now. And she is going to be helping lift everybody's boat, so to speak. Um, it is a, uh, really truly diversifying is a good word for this because some of the early favorites like Connecticut, well, they're not in there anymore. They had been 14 consecutive Final Fours, but they won't be in the Final Four. Uh, Clark, who is this electrifying player, men or women's, her passes and transitions. Um, I haven't, you know, we had a, uh, a a guy here who could do that at once upon a time who could really, really pass. Um, and 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 every once in a while you get a great one. And um, they're just another league, absolutely another another league. So she's a transcendent, transcendent, not transitioning, but transcendent talent. Uh, so writes the USA Today. Um, she's a player of the year type. She's um, motioning to the crowd to get involved. She gets the crowd involved, and. Um, She's she's got the charisma and she's what the game needs. She's powerful and she's coming along at a perfect time. LSU is also going to advance. Well, that coach has only been there a couple of years. So this is a really, really competitive world, increasingly so ball. And they're filling the Coliseums and they're exciting to watch. So Take a look at that if you get a chance, that Final Four in women's basketball. Now, and NIT tonight with the University of Florida would really help their program if they could advance beyond tonight and because uh, it's going to be a very competitive world here in uh, this uh, lady basketball world. The, the one that uh, really, see if I can dig this out of the, Midnight Auto Yard here. Um, my uh, article about her is um, the coach from the coach from uh, Ole Miss. I want to talk a little bit about her. Her team is now out of it, but boy, did they come uh, competitively. Her her name is. Uh, McPhee McGuinn, and um, she is an interesting story. When she saw the Mississippi women's basketball coaching job was open in 2018, she didn't wait for Mississippi to call her. She called them and sold herself. She says, I'm hot, and y'all can get me for cheap. And uh, she had already turned around JU's team from several losing seasons to 24-9. So Ole Miss looked at it this way. They didn't have anything to lose, having won exactly one Southeastern Conference game the season before. So uh, she uh, began to uh, work with the uh, um, Ole Miss team. She grew up in the Caribbean, a nation of the Bahamas, uh, whose entire national population of 408,000 couldn't quite fill the stands over an eight-game home season. Low Miss football so writes the Wall Street Journal, who got interested in McPhee McGuinn. Uh, she wasn't particularly a remarkable college player. She played at Miami Dade Community College. Uh, then she went to Rhode Island, and she began, you know, hanging out around the coaching world and trying to get a little better job here and a little better job there. Uh, she crisscrossed the U.S. She had a junior college coaching job in the Texas Panhandle. Uh, she went to Arkansas Pine Bluff. 
She went to the University of Portland and finally Clemson before landing her first head coaching job at Jacksonville. She's known as Coach Yo, and uh, she is able to excite her players. Um, the biggest thing that she did was land Kayla Gordon, who was a standout at Meridian Mississippi High, and recall that she was a homebody with no interest in leaving the state. So Coach Yo wanted her uh, on the team in Jacksonville, which was about an eight-hour drive away. So she talked to Gordon into coming over there, and um, uh, she marveled at the McGuinn and thought that was a good fit. She played four years at Jacksonville. She led the team in rebounding her senior year. And then um, she went to Europe and played professionally, this recruit of of, of Coach Yo. And um, then, of course, they uh, have reunited, and they are really pushing this a team now that has done really well. They finally gotten beat. They didn't make it to the final four, but they are certainly competing with some powerhouses in the SEC. Of course, right now it looks as if the two big ones are LSU and, of course, the NCAA champion, South Carolina. So uh, it's a uh, it's a big deal, and it's getting bigger. And I recommend here in Coach Hall's locker room that you kind of uh, tune into it if you like to see real true diversity and equality. Um, this is the way the game is being played now. It's just as rugged and as fast and as entertaining as the men's basketball, in a way more so. And the Rebels, uh, Miss Rebels' big claim to fame in this NCAA tournament was that they beat Stanford. Um, Stanford was one of the favorites, and boy, that really shook them up in the coaching world and the basketball world for Ole Miss, a team with nowhere near the program history that Stomford has to be beaten by Ole Miss and Coach Yo. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So it's exciting. That's why I'm spending a little time on it here with you in Coach Hogg's locker room. Now, the the other interesting thing that's uh, uh, going on in um, in, in basketball is um, there is a team that has gone farther than anybody would think it would go. Um, by the way, just a little bit more about um, the, women, the women's basketball, uh, just to give you an idea. Um, according to the data here, the final four of in the men's basketball of UConn, Miami, San Diego State, and Florida Atlantic had a collective one in 125,000 chance to make it that far. And I'm going to run out of fingers and toes. That's 0.0009%. None of those four teams was a number one, number two, or number three seed at all. It's incredible uh, that they could weave their way through this tournament and, uh, Miami had a huge comeback win over Texas. San Diego beat uh, uh, Crichton. And um, um, it's, it's, it's just really Alabama got beat. Um, Caitlin, um, uh, of course, um, Clark is outstanding over on the um, women's side, as we just said. And um, this, is a, this is an exciting kind of unpredictable tournament that is really favoring a lot of things that really are uh, important in the winning formula. You've got to uh, figure out a way to do the best you can with what you've got to work with. And some of these guys uh, are very innovative. I'm looking now in my midnight auto yard here for the team that that ran the – actually ran the um, – football play on an inbound from um, in basketball. And Florida Atlantic did it, and Kansas State did it, and I'll be darned if Florida Atlantic uh, didn't do it against Kansas State, who did it first, and used it to beat Kansas State right at the very end. They used a football play 
When by that we mean all five players line up out of bounds and um, then do what? They run a play as if they were running downfield as wideouts and the ball is then slung, if you will, and somebody else kind of gets in the way of another player. So there's kind of a, um, a little screening action going on here. And uh, it, it, it works. And uh, Kansas State, the history of this was first to use it. It was clinging to a narrow lead over Kentucky. And um, with Kentucky was applying a full court press and Kentucky, uh, Kansas State's inbound pass. All five of Kansas State's players lined up out of bounds behind the baseline as if it were the line of scrimmage. And when the referee handed one of them the ball, he might as well have said hike because the other four players, as I was saying, immediately executed what anyone who has watched football uh, would recognize as a screen pass. So um, the craziest part about this is that Florida Atlantic stole it from Kansas State and used it against Kansas State in the game Saturday night. So this is kind of an interesting cross uh, pollination, if you will, of using football plays during basketball games in these crucial scenarios. And it's uh, something that is very indicative of coaching. You, we had a, say, a saying in coaching, uh, if somebody's got a good, uh, good idea, steal it. Don't borrow it. Just steal it and make it your own. That's why you see these guys holding up um, something in front of their mouth, uh, you see practices closed because all the coaches were all out there stealing everything from everybody at works. I remember one time I was a scout. Uh, part of the things I did for our high school program, and I would go ahead and look at the team we're playing you know, the next week, and I would bring back to the coaching staff uh, what I saw as a scout and what plays they ran. And I was also – an with a couple other players, former players, uh, guys on the coaching staff, in charge of, of of the junior varsity scrimmages. And our job was to introduce the junior varsity kids and pick, find, have them play each other in a little tournament and find in there who the really promising ones were to move up to the varsity. So I noticed when I was scouting this one team that they had what's called a wingback reverse. Well, I looked at that play and I thought, man, that's a really good play, a wingback reverse. We didn't have it in our playbook. That's okay. I knew there was going to be this inner squad tournament, if you will, coming up at the end of the season. And um, who knows? I might just need that for my team. We had three teams. We had a gold, a white, and a purple team. And I coached the purple team. Uh, Jack Card, former linebacker for the Gators, coached the, um, the white team. And uh, uh, Frishy Smith, son of the recruiter and coach for University of Florida, uh, coached the gold team. Well, we got down to the championship between me and Coach Card's team, and it was a nail-biter. And I called the kids aside, and I said, hey, listen, we're going to win a ring-back reverse. And he said, well, what's that? And I said, here, let me draw it up for you. We drew it up. I put my fastest kid out there on the wing. Well, we didn't even have a wing. We had process. We had wideouts, but we didn't have a wing back. But we put him out there anyway. Well, that confused the defense. They didn't quite know what that looked like. And so I said, you run behind the quarterback. He's going to drop back as if he's going to pass, but he's not. He's going to give you that ball, and you come around the other end. It's called a wing back reverse, and you come down the sideline, and then you haul – bottom because you the fastest kid on the team and hope you score. So we ran the wing back reverse and it worked and we won. And we won the little tournament. I had a classic conversation with the head coach afterwards. He came over to me and he said, coach, he said, we don't have the wing back reverse in our playbook. Why'd you run that? Those kids didn't know what that wing back reverse was. I said, well, coach, that's a darn good question. I had to make a decision. I said, was I more interested in running the predictable playbook 
or is my more interested in, in coaching my kids on how to win? I decided to go ahead and stick that wing back reverse in there. It was a gamble, but we won. And now the kids have that taste in their mouth of winning. And he said, Coach, I agree with you. Great job. That was a very interesting moment. And I know how these guys are, even on the basketball, because I coached basketball once upon a time also, and I lettered in basketball in high school. But uh, to have the football guys come out and draw up this play, as they did, and then they have it stolen and then used against you. So it, it's it's quite it's quite interesting uh, uh, what is going on in the sports world. If you have some guys who are, you know, really paying attention and watching the predictability of the opponent and then figuring out a way to nullify that predictability or to take advantage of it. So this is all five players line up behind the baseline. Uh, one is acting as the quarterback. The other four are the wide receivers, and they run a crossing pattern, and two run go routes, sprinting toward the other end of the floor. And the other makes like he's going to do just that, but he comes back on a hitch route toward the baseline, and they throw the ball into him. I've seen it work. I saw it work when Florida Atlantic University beat Kansas State. They used it against Kansas State, who had also used it in one of their games. Isn't that a heck of a story? Well, that's the way it is, my friends, in the in, in, in the world of strategy. You know, can you can you take advantage of a, of a opportunities and find a way to work around them? So, um, Florida Atlantic University is going to be in the Final Four. It's quite, quite an accomplishment, and we'll see how it turns out. Well, 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 on a local level, we have got a follow-up meeting, my friends. Are you ready? Are you ready? The third and last, quote-unquote, meeting to discuss... Yeah, you guessed it. To discuss, guess what? The canine unit of Gainesville. So what what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? And what is going to be the way, uh, the, the, the conversation? How is it going to be conducted? Huh? Really? So interesting, right? Well, evidently, Somebody saw us run the film of the misbehavior of the black activist who is not even a resident of this county. Get by with being rude and belligerent and racial and right in front of the cops, right in front of the city manager. There was signs held up in the meeting. Not supposed to have signs. It was just an absolute mess taken over by the inmates, if you want to use that analogy. So tonight cometh before the public the quote-unquote third and last meeting. It's going to be held at City Hall, as I understand it. It's in some sort of side room there. I never go to Gainesville City Hall. And um, there is um, the following kind of post. So we'll see if it's followed. Now, this is going to be uh, in the Roberta Lyle Klein conference room, which is room 16 of City Hall at 200 East University. And the members of the Gainesville City Commission we're going to be there. Well, well, well. We've got Desmond Duncan Walker. This is Duncan Funeral Home. Okay. She's a commissioner. We'll see how she behaves. She's going to be the chair. She's from District 1. Then, 
I don't know what, who put this together, but this is the group. Then the vice chair from the at-large seat, none other than Cynthia Moore Chestnut. Huh? Desmond Duncan Walker. Cynthia Moore Chestnut. And the at-large seat A will be none other than the communist commissioner, Raina Seiko Psycho, who has freaked out publicly a couple of times, gave the international fighter pilot salute to some of her constituents. She got fed up with their nuisance. Told one lady at a city hall meeting that she couldn't believe the lady was still breathing the same air everybody else was. Now, where was this psycho Seiko the other night? We'll see how she behaves at the meeting tonight. Is she going to clamp down on the black activist, racist, hysterical interrupter? Should it come down? Then in this notification, there is cited the following reminder. And I quote from the notification. The city commission makes policy and conducts city business in an open forum. Now you decide what you think open forum means. For information on how to attend the meeting and submit public comment, visit the City Agendas and Meetings website. So you don't have to submit. Really? Where were these rules and regulations at the previous meeting, which was a city meeting, which is conducted under the same rules and regulations and policies. Where were they then? And then we have this neighbors are welcome. Neighbors. Neighbors. Now let me think about that. I'll read it to you and I'll come back and talk about it. Neighbors are welcome to attend meetings in person. Seating capacity may be limited. Fill out a comment card and give it to the meeting clerk to request to speak. Speakers will be called to share their comments in the order of sign-up. Where was that the other night? And by the way, what is the definition of neighbor? The black activist racist who disrupted the meeting the other night is a neighbor, if you consider Reddick, Florida, and Marion County, a neighbor. Now, this is a very important issue because it, the question is, does that give you standing, what is called standing? In other words, do you have any skin in the game? Do you pay taxes? You pay GRU utilities. How are you going to define? See, neighbor is the wrong word. Who is entitled to speak? He who is affected. Like Florida is not getting its power from GRU. And on the other hand, Plenty of people are getting their power from GRU who can't vote for the people who control GRU. So does the same apply in the canine discussion? What is the meaning of neighbor? Is it as loosely interpreted as it politically needs to be? 
Can somebody who lives in the county come in and talk about the city canine? I guess that reasonably would be a quote-unquote neighbor. Now, under the notification that I was given by one of our research assistants, there is a, an agenda statement here that the city of Gainesville encourages civil public speech. And people are telling me, hey, Ward, if you had not shown that video on the Ward Scott files, this would never be a part of this notification. I have no way of proving that. I have no way of knowing that. But it certainly is in many people's minds. Was this notification distributed ahead of the last meeting that was a fiasco? And is this notification putting the black racist activists on Notice. The city of Gainesville encourages civil public speech. I don't know if that's so because it certainly doesn't from what I'm told in the city commission meetings. I'm told that one of the city commission meetings with this subject of canines were brought up was as disruptive almost as the one we shared the video of and that I should pull the video of that meeting and show it to you, which we haven't done. The next sentence in this says, disruptive behavior is not permitted during city commission meetings. And then there's this last sentence, please do not bring food. Food? Drinks, props, signs, posters. That's the that's the real issue. Props, signs, posters. They were present in the last meeting. So we'll be there with our research people tonight. And we'll Hopefully have a report for you on whether or not this official notification is indeed enforced. Now, It, do, it doesn't say much about the, if anything, about the behavior of the commissioners. There's no secret, but what Seiko Psycho has publicly stated, she's against the militarization of the police and spoke out against the helicopter once upon a time, as I recall. And she can go off the wall. She she can go off the wall as much as the activists did the other night. So we'll see. Meanwhile, canine unit has two dogs. The canine unit is under the control of the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office, which said... Uh, Technically, we'll say we're in charge of the dogs, but we're not bringing our dogs into your city. You're going to use those dogs that you call your city dogs. And the sheriff is simply trying to cover the derriere of the city. Because the need for the dogs is ever-present. 
So you talk about the politicalization of an issue. And when I get back from the break, I'll go into the politicalization of the GRU issue. It's amazing. Ward Scott on the Ward Scott file. will be right back in just a moment. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files Ward's Weather Report. Brought to you by Lewis Oil and the Chevron stations. And we are very fortunate that we have um, fossil fuel. Let's face it. It's not fashionable. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Some of the cities are actually trying to, by a certain date in the future, guess what? Ban gas stations. Can you believe it? The total snow pack this winter, by the way, at 70 degrees here in Piney Woods, is going to get up to almost 90 today. So it's going to be one of those favorable weather patterns for our area. But there is a a storm coming across, of course, the southeast. You saw the horrible, horrible storm that hit uh, Mississippi. It was a mile wide and on the ground for 100 miles. It It is amazingly terrifying. Now, in California, they're going to get hit again with another big atmospheric river of rain. And the total snowpack uh, this winter for California, Southern Sierra Nevada, has been 286% of normal. That's the highest since records began. And one of the problems with it is Newsom out there, the governor, has been against reservoirs holding the water because, of course, it, cover, it, it prevents the salamander from getting to the ocean. So a lot of this is not going to be usable for farmers, etc. Um, the San Francisco Chronicle is caught in the middle of reports that the whole area there is caught in this windy, snowy weather system. There's two low-pressure systems 
off the coast of Hawaii and Alaska, uh, they merge and they come towards California with rapid intensification where they hit rain and in the Sierra Nevada snow, uh, which of course the ski resorts love. And it builds up the state's water supply, you would think. But throughout the state, Newsom has uh, allocated from local water agencies um, minimal use of those reservoirs. But he's had to increase it 5% since this big heavy rain has come. So there you are. The uh, allocation hopefully will be raised from about up to, as this pattern hits, to about 75% because there's a lot of criticism being leveled at Newsom for the state's inability to store water in its reservoirs. Go figure. It's another Looney Tune. Is it not climate change deal? Well, having just discussed with you the city of Gainesville, canine discussion decorum or lack thereof is every bit as embarrassing to see how the Gainesville officials have governed themselves in managing the utility. Someone asked me, why in the world would commissioners who come from all walks of life and are uneven in their talent, expertise, be put in charge of managing something they know nothing about. The utility. The Gainesville Regional Utility. Why would any mad scientist in his right mind, I guess we need to put political scientist, build a political model that allowed seven poorly prepared, if prepared at all, individuals to make scientific financial decisions about something as complicated as a utility. And of course, if they do have a, a director that doesn't agree with them politically or give them what they want to hear, they fire him. Just like they fire city managers, police chiefs, canine units, anything else that doesn't agree with their political agenda. So now, our reward and it's no secret that he is regarded as a bully. His long history, his family has quite a history in the community. Is now claiming that he's going to lead the city in a war against the Florida legislature and the bill to take the GRU utility out of the hands of the commissioners. And he's got these little folksy things he said. And I'm quoting from a Gainesville Sunset article in their Sunday. Quote, this is a Harvey Ward. I want folks, you know, this word folks, Obama started using it. It's one of those words which is connotes folksy, folk music, folk meaning people, meaning average people. I want folks in Gainesville. He should have said, maybe, I want utility users in Gainesville and the surrounding area. That would be accurate. 
But I want folks in Gainesville is not accurate. It is one of those throwaway political phrases that is intended to make the speaker who uses it just one of us. I want folks in Gainesville to know that we understand that it is our job to keep the lights on. Uh, Say what? What'd you say? Don't you mean to say or keep the lights on at any call any expense to them or a reasonable expense to them or a responsible expense to them? This is the kind of crap that comes out of the mouths of people who don't know what they're talking about. This is a big argument. The use of this language to remove them from taking care of something they can't even talk reasonably about. And then he says, I can't with a straight face go to any of our constituents and say, I trust everything's going to keep working. If this passes. You can't go with a straight face right now and say that anything is working in the financial accountability of the Gainesville. You can't say that now. I mean, the facts are there. Facts show that. So what's this commission going to do, according to Ward? Well, they're going to hire outside counsel. Okay. So they don't know what they're doing, do they? All they know is they're going to do something. And it's going to cost money. And it's going to be outside counsel. What does that mean? Outside counsel. What does that mean? Well, he furthermore says, I do believe that the way it's moving forward, this is the bill, does not indicate a level of deep concern for the people. That's exactly the opposite. If anything, The very existence of the bill indicates a deep level of concern for the people. Cynthia Chestnut has the audacity to use the word gentleman. She's quoted as saying, this is not a little nice gentleman's agreement. And then she says that in 2018, Clemens sponsored a bill that gave voters a choice to appoint a GRU board. And then she says roughly 60% of the city's electorate shot it down. Or so saith the author, Nora O'Neill. No, 60% of the city's electorate as even a smaller percentage of the people who are GRU customers who didn't get to participate in the vote. And the notion is now there won't be there be no vote by the people. There's no vote by the people before. Right now, the people have no vote. The people have no vote right now. 
you can be using GRU utilities, not be in a city, and obviously you can't vote for the commissioners in the city. Really? So they're going to fight this bill with outside hiring somebody outside. And the real issue is who is the fight to protect? Because if they step too far in this war, DeSantis has at least indicated he would remove Ward. And since the city is chartered under the state, he could remove all the commissioners. I mean, talk about gibberish. And talk about a demonstration that they are completely incompetent and ill-prepared to discuss accounting and engineering and finance and energy. So they're going to go to war, they say. Good luck. Because there's more to lose than just this war deal on the utilities. You might lose your commission seat. Now, if you think it's really bad, this city commission is not much different from other leftist-run municipalities that we occasionally cover on the Ward Scott Files. Um, Breitbart has written about Louisville, Colorado. Louisville, Colorado has a population of 21,000 people and only six gas stations. But they are so concerned about climate change that's ravaging our planet and directly impacting everybody's health, well-being, and livelihoods. That they have banned any new gas stations from moving into Louisville, Colorado. Any new gas stations and service stations, if there are any new gas stations, will be required to have charging stations as well for electric vehicles and be 1,000 feet from existing stations unless they are part of a big retail center. Here's what is actually going to happen. Breitbart has thought about this. So if you limit the number of gas stations, one thing will happen is people will wait in line to get gas. They'll idle their cars longer than they normally would. Two, people will have to drive farther to get gas. So that would also require their cars running longer, which would in turn put more carbon in the air. But the city council, this reminds me of the Gainesville Commission, thinks it needs to take whatever incremental steps it can take 
to save the climate, to save the world. And they say that by 2030 in this town, Louisville, Colorado, 75% of its residential, commercial, and industrial needs will need to be carbon-free sources by 2030. Huh? Huh? I don't know. I've just got to take a pause there and let you think about that. Ponder that. Here's where the world is really being affected for climate change. I don't know how many of you have heard of the Yananamaya Indian in Brazil. He has been living forever in the deep recesses of Brazilian rainforest. Indigenous people there. But now, they're being eradicated. Their habitat eradicated. The Southern Hemisphere is doing the pioneering in this century that the Northern Hemisphere did in its 18th and 19th centuries. Eradicating its Indians and cutting down its forests and moving west. We're cutting down Brazilian, I say we, I say we who depend upon the minerals, the mercury, gold, other minerals are there. We are busy in the Southern Hemisphere, we being those of us who depend upon an industrialized society in one form or another, of eradicating the Yananamo Indian and clearing the Amazon of rainforest. Louisville, Colorado, banning gas stations will have about as much effect on climate change, if there is such a thing, as the proverbial I don't want to repeat it. End of the wind. Family show. Brazil has a leftist president who claims that saving Yanomamo is a top priority and claims the Amazonian destruction he wants to stop, but he's not going to be able to stop that. There is too much demand for the raw material of nature that's in that rainforest. The anonymous are kind of like we are here at Windy Hill. We tell nature and what it is by counting the moons and watching where the sun is and smelling the wind and They need to put these little fits and starts of gas stations, electric charging rooms, in some kind of perspective. But no. One last little story for you before we split. Stormy Daniels. Since this whole brouhaha about Stormy Daniels and Trump, Searches on the internet or Stormy Daniels page reviews on Pornhub, and I'll be politically delicate here because it's a family show. Searches skyrocketed since this whole thing came out by 21,655%. as this criminal 
indictment came down against Trump. Average daily search on Tuesday last week was 467,000. Previously, her daily average had been 2150, 2150. There were over 467,000 searches for Stormy Daniels in one day this week. Huh? Huh? Remember, there never was a ill wind that didn't blow somebody a good. Warthog Command Center out. 